Well, as we read this passage, I hope that your, your finger is in there and we will refer to uh, the passage quite often and we will, at the end of, at the, end of the conclusion, we're going to be jumping into the New Testament. Um, we, uh, so if you want to throw your finger into like Ephesians as we finish um, uh, as, as we come to a close after point two, we will be looking at how God uh, resonates uh, this uh, poem, this song about one of God's greatest characters talking about his sovereignty as we look at this. And we dive into the fact that we can find meaning in all the works of God's hand. Solomon really showed us that any work that we can produce ultimately is like grasping after wind. It does not produce what we think it will produce, lasting joy or lasting meaning and significance in our life. And he draws a conclusion at the end of the whole matter is the fact that we can find real meaning, real joy, lasting understanding by the work of God's hand. And so he launches into a series of, this is the works of God's hands. And one of them is, is we can find extreme meaning in divine timing. And of course, this section, more than any other section, other than there is nothing new under the sun, these verses are probably the most familiar in all of the Bible to a lot of people that are not believers because of the birds. You know what I'm talking about, the, the group. Uh, and I will not sing to you. I will spare you the agony of singing. But they, they came up with this song called Turn, 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 right? There was an, also another group called The Sundays, and they came up with Time, Time, Time. And it didn't really uh, flow as well. It, so they didn't get any traction. But the birds did. And the... the uh, the guy that wrote Turn, 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 he confessed and he says, I got, they asked him, where did you get this beautiful poem in which you wrote this? And he says, I got it from the book of Ecclesiastes. And he, and he did that. It's interesting. He says in his chorus, he says, to everything, turn, 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 there is a season, which is in our text, verse 1, for everything there is a season. Then he said, turn, 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 and he says, and a time to every purpose under heaven, which he says, what God says in verse 1 of chapter 3, he says, and a time for every matter under heaven, right? At the very end, there's this little footnote to the song, and this is the sad part, because it says, a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to rend, a time to sow, a time to love, a time for hate, and a time for peace, and I swear it's not too late. And that, of course, is a famous part of that song. And as they're singing this, as the time of uh, Vietnam comes to an end, and they're, they're really focused on this peace, the, the agony is, is for anybody that does not enjoy the gift of God that surpasses all understanding through Jesus Christ our Lord, that doesn't have salvation from their sins, it will be too late. 
But the beauty of this is the fact that everything is according to God's time. Some of the most famous uh, in our household, the, the famous quote about time is this, to be early is to be on time, right? To be on time is to be late. To be late is to be left, right? But timing is everything, right? Timing is everything. My wife said that to me multiple times this week because I dug, actually had my son dig through the gravel and start the ditch and then I worked more on the ditch and then our pipe burst and the water flowed down the ditch. It was beautiful. It didn't flow into our into our shop and barn. That was just wonderful. And uh, Anissa was like, that was just perfect timing. I was like, praise the Lord for his prompting in time. Uh, Tolstoy in War and Peace said, there are two, two most powerful warriors are this, patience and time. Patience and time. He said, time is, is a powerful thing. Coupled together with Patience, it becomes the most powerful warrior uh, together. I, I love War and Peace. I, I, I got a, a, I think it's like a second edition copy I found in a used bookstore and kind of started pouring through it. And I like to torture myself with good, good writing. Uh, but anyway, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Another Greek philosopher said this, time is the most valuable valuable thing a man can spend. Think about this. So you can spend a lot of things in your life, right? But he said time is the most valuable. Um, uh, Pericles said this, another uh, uh, statesman in in the Greek, uh, uh, he did a little bit of philosophy, but he said time is the wisest counselor of all. But in the reality is, is in our Christian faith, we often focus on heaven, the sweet by and by, and how what we have in Christ prepares us for that sweet by and by. We were so great. But however, our faith also, our faith in the Lord also equips us for living in what someone has called the nasty now and now. How do we live in this nasty now and now? Now, life provides opportunity for living out our faith in service to our Heavenly Father. Life experience itself reminds each person that God has designed it all. Every area of life contains the imprint of divine care and provision. So what does it mean in Ecclesiastes 3 when Solomon is giving these wise characteristics of God, telling us that meaning is found in God's divine timing? What does it mean that there is a proper time for everything? So what's the point? What's the point of this in verse 1? And we see the reality that nothing is haphazard. Nothing is by happenstance. It doesn't just happen. The political system in our, our, the United States didn't just fall apart, you know, four years ago, six years ago, eight years ago, 12 years ago. Uh, the problems that we see today didn't just happen because of a pandemic, right? Nothing is haphazard. 
as disciplined as we may be, uh, or organized as we may be, for those of you that love organization and love discipline, you know time is a problem. There's only so much time, right? I remember I struggle with that. I used to go out and I was like, I'm going to get all of these projects done. And I would work until midnight sometimes to prove that I could get all of those projects done. My wife would be like, you need to stop and come in. Now, and then now I get so frustrated because I have three things I'm going to do over the weekend. And I go out and... You know, yesterday, the greatest encouragement I had yesterday is I, I, as I walked away from this frame that I was supposed to have built on Friday, you know, or last week on Monday, that it's still sitting there right now. And my wife's like, well, it's coming along. Good job. <laughs> I've learned the value of it's coming along and not it's finished. It's, it's the production Sometimes the truth is that there are many things in our life that will happen over which we have no control. We try to control it. And we, we realize, and we, we've got to maintain control, but we realize that there really isn't the control that we think there is. And this is the truth, that if God isn't at the proper place in our life, those things that we try to control will absolutely make no sense. When we'll struggle when things are out of our control. One of the first things we see about this text as we move along is that this is why it's not haphazard. That God has appointed a time for everything. God has. It's literally flowing out of The message from last week, there isn't really a stop here. It's a continuation. That everything, there's so much blessings at the work of God's hands. When God is at the center of everything in our life, the blessing isn't because of all of our work, all of our control. The blessing is because it's been appointed by God. It's His work. The two interesting things is, The two Hebrew words for time appear in this first verse. The first one is in the word season. For everything there is a season and a time for everything. Every time that time is used from the second word there all the way to verse 8, it is the second word. The first word, time or seasons, is called, it's appointed. It's appointed by God at its appointed time. It refers to a time that is established or prepared beforehand and is set, saying that God has appointed or set beforehand everything that is. There's seasons. The second word for time and is which that it's referring to a time that has a limit. That's why we see that there's a time uh, to plant and a time to reap from planting to harvest. There's a specific or a limited time. So there's a season of time and there's a specific limit time opposed to not talking about all of eternity. Now Solomon's point is this. 
God has set time boundaries for all kinds of things that will happen to a person in his life that also eventually goes into eternity. Everything has a place. Everything has a time. There's no chance. There's no fate governs the things that happen in the lives of God's people. He controls all of that. It's a work of God's hand. This, this text is extremely challenging for unbelievers, those that haven't put their faith and trust in Christ, repented from their sins, because people without a relationship, there's a lot of people that know about God. They have a knowledge about who God is, but there's no relationship because they're not saved from their sins. They haven't been born into the family of God because of what Christ did on the cross when he died for us, the perfect Lamb of God, when he was buried and he rose again and conquered death to reunite those that God has saved to have a relationship with God. Because people are without that relationship with God, they seek to be gods themselves and they try to be gods of their time. Unregenerate mankind engages in a crusade to control time in order to gain an escape from individual responsibility and to obtain what they think will provide peace and security. On the other side of things, there's a challenge for believers. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 is a beautiful uh, scenario and illustration that Jesus gives us when he challenges uh, the apostles or the, the follower, his followers in the very beginning of the church. You know that Christ has died. He is now showing himself to his followers, to his disciples. Uh, the church is getting ready to launch, to be born, the body of Christ. And he challenges them. In verse 6, he says this in Acts 1. He says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time? So this, this is the Greek word for this specific moment, this limited time right now, as they look at him, restore the kingdom of, of Israel. They said, hey, you're the Messiah. You're the Lord of lords. You're the king of kings. Are you, now that you've risen again, are you setting up? Is this the time? But he says to them, verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, the other word. In our context here, in our text, in Ecclesiastes 3, so he uses both words following the same pattern what we got in Ecclesiastes 3. He says, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. We see what Solomon is writing here. God has appointed, he is the author and the authority of every aspect of time. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The challenge to us believers is what is dominating your time? What is dominating your time? He says, look, God, are you focused on what time you think you have or are you focused on what God has called you to be? It's not for us 
to know the times and the seasons. It's for us to respond. This is a really, Jesus says, here is your response. It isn't to say, yep, the kingdom of God is now. The thing is, is how do you respond to the fact that God is in control and in authority of all time? If a person is trying to go through life without a close relationship with God, most of it will not make sense and life will end up empty and meaningless. Even your time at church, serving the body, doing serving projects, doing things, you know, singing, uh, being a part of children's ministry, doing evangelistic stuff, doing all these different things, if it's not about God's work in your life and your relationship, then it's going to be empty and meaningless. As Solomon puts it, it's the vanity, it's vanity of all vanities. It's striving, it's trying to catch the wind. You can't do it. It's meaningless. If on the other hand, one is a, has a close relationship with God, then most of the things that happen in the time and course and seasons of your life will have clear driven meaning and one will know how to respond the disciples after Jesus died right they didn't know how to respond they went and hid in a room right sometimes in our life when life is just about being good as a believer, we get caught in the saying, I'm just going to be a good Christian, and it's all about being good. We're not going to respond to the times and seasons in our life very well. We're going to go hide. But God wants us to respond. He said, go, be my disciples. Right? He says, why are you out there fishing? I made you fishers of men. Right? The beauty of it. You know what I love about that when he chastise the disciples and he sends them back out to do the work of the ministry he 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 made them a breakfast right he he had some bread and some fish already he'd already been fishing and the disciples had caught nothing right and again peter you know it's like hey throw him on the other side it's like we've been fishing what does the side of the boat have to mean about anything right and they catch the biggest haul they've ever caught. And all of a sudden, Peter's like, it's the Lord. And he runs to him. Jesus is like, what are you doing? Go feed my sheep. Do you love me? Jesus is saying, do you have a relationship with me? In verse 1, it says, there's a time for every matter under heaven. Everything that happens under heaven is time controlled by God. It has boundaries that are set and determined. Some of the stuff we will never figure out why. The why doesn't matter, but the work of God matters. God's hand matters. Which reminds us about the second reality, and that is this God has appointed things in time of one's life that are both positive and negative. That's right. God has appointed, some of them are fixed, limited, and some of them are seasons that have boundaries that are controlled by the work of God's hand. 
that are both positive and negative. God is at work sometimes when it hurts. God is at work when sometimes you're mad. God isn't just at work when you're happy. God isn't just at work when everything works right. God is working all the time. The idea here in these, this poem in verses 2, the end of verse 1, literally down into verse 8, is not that Solomon is making judgments on topics. It's not about these individual topics. He's merely recording the overarching principles that occur under heaven. Everything that is kind of just an overview of everything that occurs under heaven in people's life. What's interesting, by the way, is that there is a list here that is comprised of 14 positives and 14 negatives. It's pretty interesting, right? There's kind of an equal balance to everything in God's order. There's both equally positive and equally negative things. That's why I always like to tell people, it's like when you come to a convicting verse in the Bible and you just hate it, actually, it's positive. It's equally as positive as it is maybe making you feel guilty or shameful because it means that God is at work in your life to grow you. So just as it may be sometimes we read things that are equally as negative, it is equally as positive. Psalm 31, verse 15. The psalmist, probably hearing all the things, that, you know, knowing and all of this outflow, I don't know if uh, Solomon remembered hearing this from David or was familiar with this, but Psalm 31, verse 15 says, My time, my times, plural, are in your hands, God. Each event plays its own role in God's sovereign design. Everything is by God's design. So what are we so what's the conclusion of all this? Well, believe it or not, uh, Token, you know you're if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, he had a pretty wise comment, literally, about time, and he said this, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Really, the conclusion of all the matter, what are you going to do with God's design of time in your life, his appointed time, his season of life that he's given you? What are you going to do with it? Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8 is a beautiful Apropos, what do we do with God's appointed time? We should remember these very wise words of the psalmist. And he says, For God alone, O my soul, waits in silence. For my hope is from Him. Is your hope in the way you control your time? Or is your hope in the one who controls all time? Verse 6 He, that is God, only is my rock in my salvation. 
my fortress. I shall not be forsaken. On God rest my salvation and my glory, my rock and my refuge. And here we go in verse 8. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God's mighty work of his hand is that with his hand, he appoints all the seasons of our life, but he also appoints all the different times of our life. So trust him with all of your time. Trust is really the beginning of a grand and great relationship. You want to redeem the time in which you are living? In the New Testament it says redeem the time for it is, it's filled with wickedness, right? Hebrews chapter 10, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as you see some are doing. Let's redeem our time. Galatians chapter 6 Verses 6 through 10, this whole idea is is that walking by the Spirit and walking not according to our flesh, not walking according to good deeds, not being caught up in the things of this world. And Paul is just telling the church, don't have a false sense of hope in works-based religion, but find your hope in the God who is over all. And he says in verse 6, Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, you will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from that flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit or reap the Spirit or from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give, in, give up. So then, as we have every opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith, those who are part of the body of Christ. Did you see that? And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up. Same word there as season. Transposed from the Greek, from the Hebrew to the Greek. Same thought. Every, in your seasons of life, God gives us seasons, appointed times. Don't give up. No matter what, you're, what we're going through, whatever time you find yourself in life, maybe... You're not reap, you know, maybe you're having to plant right now. If you keep planting the things of God in your life, you will reap the things of God, the benefits, the blessing, the joys. That you're going to reap the benefit of that relationship with God. But if you sow and try to control everything and everything is according to the flesh, you will also reap those things. What season do you find yourself in life? Don't give up in doing the good that God has given you. Redeem the time. Ephesians chapter 1, 
Verse 10 says, well, verse 7 through 10 gives the context here. By the way, uh, Paul is going off to the Ephesian church. Do you realize the foundation that has been built for you? Do you realize what God has done? Do you realize how rich you are? This is what you do have. It doesn't matter what time you're in your life. It doesn't matter what season you are in your life. Look at what God has done in the fullness of time. Verse 7, in Him, that's in God, through Christ, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespass, according to the riches of His grace. According to the abundant riches of His grace. That word there, according to His riches, means never-ending riches of grace. It's not like you just go to the bank and, you know, when you overdraw and you just, you, ah, I thought I had more money. We never, with God, there's a never-ending riches of His grace. Which, verse 8, it says, He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. The purpose of all time was to bring us back into the family of God by Christ's death and burial and resurrection to pay for your sins, which he set forth in Christ. By the way, in the Greek here, it's, it's a set forth in time. In the Greek, there's a time element here. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Did you, oh, did you hear the context? I know you can hear Paul thinking of Solomon here as he talks about God's whole plan in time. The things in heaven and things on earth. The things under heaven and the things under the sun. God's whole plan was not for you to have a job. Not simply to have a job. (laughs) Not to simply just have family members in your life. God's whole purpose and whole season wasn't just that you would feel loss at some point in life. God's whole plan and time for everything is that you wouldn't feel sadness. God's whole fullness of his purpose of his plan was to unite you with him trust him at all times that's the question are you trusting him with the season of life that you're in right now will you trust him maybe the time that you, thing the things in your life that you're experiencing a loss, a, a sense of joy. Are you getting caught up in something, a blessing, a great blessing that has happened in your life? And have you lost the perspective of the gospel, the good news of what God has done to bring us all back together in the fullness of time to be united with our Heavenly Father, to be sons and daughters 
of he who is holy. I trust that you can answer those questions in your life. And if you're struggling, trust him. Trust him. With all your heart, lean not unto your own feelings and understanding. Acknowledge God. Let him clear the path of your life. Let him shepherd you. Let him have that father-shepherd-protector relationship in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are in control of all things. It is your work of hand that matters. It is how you control time that matters. Whether good things or bad things are happening, positive things or negative things, Lord, it is all in your hands. May we turn our worry and anxiety and thoughts to the one that controls it all. May we rejoice, not because of our circumstances, but because we know the one that holds everything in the palm of his hand. Thank you that you aren't just some good person, but you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Holy One, who sent his Son to fix a problem that we had. And that was, we were orphaned from you. No relationship, dead. Dead in our life because of sin, because we are separate from you. None of us good. Trying with our best to do good things, but always falling short. But thank you that you sent us yourself, the Holy One, the Lamb of God, to take away to pay for, to take away, to, to reunite us back in a relationship, to adopt, bring us back in adoption to the family of God. Thank you for that payment that you experienced in agony when you died on the cross for our sins. Pray, Lord, that every morning, every night, that it'll be about our relationship with you that you purchased for us through Christ and his work on the cross. I pray that everyone has come to the foot of the cross and said, Lord, I need you. I put my faith and trust in you and that they call upon the name of the Lord and be saved for eternity and united to you, God, to your family. And they could cry out and call you Father. Thank you for the blessings of your words today, your holy word that gives life and meaning to all. In Jesus' name, amen.